I think stress sometimes blinds you because I'd moved out there. I didn't know anybody. I was just trying to make enough money to live out there and I didn't want to fail. And so I was just so focused on the task at hand. I didn't really think about any of that. Like mm -hmm. in pure execution mode, not much thought to it. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. Welcome to another episode of the show. Layla, thanks for having us back to your world headquarters. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> the Hormozy Nation world, what, what are we calling this? The executive boardroom? Uh, yeah, the executive boardroom in place that is unknown and we will not speak of. It's undisclosed. We're in a secret location. I usually ask my guests, how did you get this job? Interesting. Well, not by going to school. <laughs> I started with really no experience. So actually got into, I went to school for exercise science, which proved to be pretty useless. You know, learned a lot about human physiology, but didn't learn a lot about business. And then quickly, I knew that I wanted to leave my hometown. So I lived in Portage, Michigan, pretty small town. I moved out to California because I was a big, like Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, they all said, move to California. That's where all the successful people are. So I was like, of course I need to go to California. So I packed up my little Prius. I drove out there. I got like an apartment, which ended up being like in the ghetto, which is why I could afford it. And I went and I mapped out in walking distance where the closest gym would be. And that was because I had a degree in exercise science. Again, useless, but not for this. So I figured I can get a job at any one of these gyms that I can walk to. So I went and I applied. I got a job offer at, I think, all of them. Which you did. <laughs> and then I picked 24-hour fitness, actually, because it was the quickest one that I could make money at. And I had like $5,000. I just moved out there. My rent was like $1,200 a month. And I was like, I need to make money immediately because that's just rent, right? I have to eat and all that. Yeah, put a timestamp on this. So what year are we talking about here? I want to say this was like 2013, maybe. Okay, 2013. Mm -hmm. So we are, we're basically six, five, six years into or coming out of the recession mm -hmm. of 08. Things are getting better progressively. It's all about Facebook and Instagram at that point in terms of social. Snapchat mm -hmm. is starting to become a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. It was right? a thing. What else is happening in 2014? Uh, where in the country, where in California did you move? Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area. Okay. Yeah. I know it well. Those are yeah. my stomping grounds. Yeah. You know the 24-hour fitness in the triangle there? In the triangle square? Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Yeah. That's a hot spot. It is. A, I didn't know that. The first time I walked in, I kid you not, and this does not happen there all the time, but I'll never forget, you know, coming from Michigan, it's like people working out at the gym, sweatpants, hoodies, whatever. I'll never forget, there's a woman in a sports bra with little shorts and high heels walking on the incline on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. And that just like set the tone for the next chapter of my life. That kind of says everything. Yeah. Yeah. So for people who don't know Southern California, I mean, there's little pocket communities, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said Costa Mesa, but that's really kind of old Costa Mesa, new Newport Beach or old Newport Beach, kind of right right on PCH, kind of by Hogue Hospital, if you know the place. Mm -hmm. Triangle Square was a super cool new development back in the late 90s and it kind of fizzled out because they had a big huge Nike town there and that was like the cool thing okay. it was and it was big retail shopping but it kind of failed but 
Oddly enough, that 24-hour fitness, which is a tiny little hole in the wall, I know exactly where it is. Mm -hmm. The parking is terrible. It's super crowded. So when I was single, we used to call the people who went there, they had a very high degree of talent, which meant they're very attractive. There's just only attractive people coming out of there. Yeah. Remarkable. Like, where are these people coming from? Yeah. It was weird. Weird, right? Yeah. But like, that was a spot. Yeah. Because especially coming from Michigan, it was like, what was a 10 in Michigan is like a like a four in Newport Beach. Okay. So it was a weird, it was interesting. Yeah. A lot of beautiful people there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So luck or maybe fate that you ended up being pulled into that place. Right. So I got pulled into there, quickly learned that, you know, I needed to understand marketing and sales because they basically handed you a clipboard. They're like, go get 15 referrals and then come back. And that was like your job interview. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know that was supposed to be hard or, or not or what. They were like, go ask people. And I was like, or whatever. What do I have to lose? I just moved all the way out here. Were you saying upselling like training and? No, this was like, we didn't have the job yet. They just said, take this clipboard, go get the phone number, go get referrals from the people that are already at the gym. Oh, I see. see. Or whatever. Okay. Go to Whole Foods across the street. Yeah. For new signups. And I remember I did that and I got, I think I want to say like I got short of the goal. I got like 12 or something like that. And while I was doing it, I just remember two girls sitting on a sidewalk in the entranceway under the parking garage crying holding the clipboards and i was like what's wrong and they were like i'm not gonna ask strangers for their phone number oh, okay and i remember thinking to myself oh, girl i gotta eat you know like yes. i'll ask a stranger for their phone number so i think it was really out of i want to say like desperation or you know desire to succeed like i just moved out there that i was able to quickly learn the skill of sales first and then marketing to actually have a sustainable career in the fitness industry yeah so do you think Let's go back in the chronology a little bit to young Layla. Did you know what you wanted to be when you were thinking about growing up? Like, what what did you aspire to be when you were much younger, like elementary school or early on? Do you have signals? Yeah, I wanted to be a veterinarian or an actress. Okay. Neither. Okay, so say more. Like, veterinarian, what's... I loved animals. Me too. I think growing up, I had like 20. I had like, I think at one point we had like... I don't even know how many cats, like 10 cats, like two dogs. I had two lizards. I had like three hamsters, a guinea pig, two crabs. Like, I mean, it was literally like mm-hmm. a zoo. Yeah. Uh, my granddad was a parasitologist. And so he had wild animals he would keep in the house. Like he would have an alligator in the backyard. He had a raccoon. This is also Louisiana. So you have to keep that in mind. No uh, judgment here. <laughs> right, right. Raccoons are adorable. <laughs> they are cute. Yeah. Uh, until they bite their you. little hands. and Yeah. Yeah. They're scratchy. <laughs> and then, so that's why I liked animals. And on the other side, I think... I just liked entertainment. Like I liked making people laugh. I liked making jokes. I liked seeing people smile. So like- Your only child? No, youngest. Okay. okay, so that maybe is indicator of where that might've come from. No no pop psychology here, but that's common in in, 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 the, in the baby of the family. Yeah. Oh, I see. They want attention. Yeah. They have to fight for it, you know, from older siblings. How many yeah. siblings do you have? A one. So you have one older- Sister. Sister, okay. How, how many years apart are you? Six. Okay. That's a pretty good little distance though. It's not like you're competing. Interesting. Yeah, no, not yeah. really. I mean I'm I'm a firstborn. Okay. So that's there's a lot about firstborns too. They're mm. more independent, you know, step into a parenting role, all that kind of stuff. I'm interested I'm interested in psychology. So yeah. I study a lot of this. I don't know how much of it's accurate, but it's interesting yeah. to me nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. Okay, so but did you get signals then? So you wanted to maybe be in front of the camera. And you like making people laugh, which is sort of like little glimpses of maybe customer service-y kind of like 
salesy kind of skills because you've got to be able to help people out, take good care of them, make sure that they are having their needs met, that kind of thing. Maybe. You know, I think like what I wanted to be when I was a kid versus I think like that was all when I was younger, like if I really think about it. And then after my parents separated, I think everything kind of changed. Like my personality changed my dynamic because mm. they were very much like helicoptery parents. Okay. And then it turned into like the opposite. And then me learning how to take care of myself at a young age. And I think learning how to be resourceful mm -hmm. uh, to a degree. Yeah. Uh, relatable. That happened to me too. My, my mom was married three times before I was 16. So yeah, you, you have to kind of be the responsible yeah. adult in the room. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've listened to a few of your things, hearing a little bit about you accidentally or just falling into trouble a little bit. Yeah, so I was 18. So that makes sense. Okay, so you're out here, you're on your own, you gotta make things happen, it's sink or swim. Mm -hmm. You basically you know, hustle your way to the sales, it's do or die. Yeah. Where did you go from there? <laughs> I decided to try and take all the clients I had and bring them to a private facility. So it's kind of like the traditional, like you see nowadays, like the trainer takes people from the gym and they go to a different gym mm -hmm. because I felt like I didn't have enough autonomy. And I finally understood what was next. Like they tried to get me to be a manager. They wanted me to move up. And I was like, I don't want to do any of this. And I was like, managing people sounds awful. <laughs> Little do I know. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to understand marketing. That was the biggest piece is like, you know, right at that point, we're in a gym like that. You're going out, you're going to Whole Foods. You're going to, you know, across the street. You're asking people for their friends' phone numbers to get lead. It's like door knocking. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's 100%. And so I was like, this is hard. I want to understand. At that point, Facebook was taking off. And I was like, I want to understand Facebook marketing. Mm -hmm. And so I had heard about this gym that was in Southern California that was apparently the owner was just like a phenomenal leader. He was fantastic. He understood exercise. He also understood marketing and sales. And so I felt like I could learn a lot there. And so I took my clients, I went there, and I agreed to like teach group training, training classes there while I also brought my clientele. And the goal was I wanted to learn marketing. And I wanted to also have a little bit more autonomy in terms of like my time because it's 24 hours, it's a little different. And so I did that, but I quickly learned that it was not any easier there because they, they didn't use Facebook. And I was kind of like, this would be, we should try it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, they weren't quite, they were newer, they weren't quite ready for it, they were already growing organically. And so there to get clients, like we would route out the neighborhood of businesses and we would go to the businesses, like myself and another trainer, for example, and we would ring baskets of whatever, I would make like protein cookies and things like that with sure. like little things that said like free pass and we'd give them to the businesses. Yeah. And so it was honestly just more of the same. Yeah. It was the same kind of like door knocking, you know, getting leads type thing. Yeah. Can I, can I uh, ask you a quick question? Cause it's on my mind. Yeah. Marketing versus branding. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people talk about marketing, you know, I want to do marketing in your mind. What's the difference between marketing and branding? I think when I think of marketing, I think of the efforts to acquire customers or attention. And I think of brand, I think of what you're known for. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like brand is dictated by the person receiving the, you know, material. And I think marketing is like the act of attempting to do that. So it's like marketing in a way creates brand, whether for the good or bad. I think that I would co-sign that. Yeah. Because I think that advertising is a function of marketing. Yeah. And as Alex would say, advertising is to make known. And, you know, part of the marketing activities is to, whether you're canvassing the street, the neighborhood, handing out protein goodies, or, you know, hitting people up in the aisles of Whole Food, you're making something known. Known. Yeah. And you're doing marketing activities. 
Yeah. And then people form an opinion based on how they interact with you and that becomes your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. The brand sits in the hearts and the minds of other people. Yes. I mean, you can, you can walk the talk and if it's aligned, that's ideal. Yeah. Right. If you say you, you know, if you are who you say you are, then that is aligned, but sometimes it's not. And that's where you run into trouble. Yeah. I think that most more often than not that yeah. way. Okay. So you wanted to learn marketing. It wasn't happening at this gym because they were either old school or they just weren't into it. Then what happened? So then I was competing at that point in terms of in bikini competitions, which were like just starting at that time. The division had just opened. Okay. And this is for people who don't know this category. Yeah. This is not like something you do at the beach. This is like fitness competitions. It's, yeah, it's a fitness competition. You know, it's a, technically a sector of bodybuilding. However, it's the lowest for women. So it's, it's more of a, like a beauty slash fitness competition, if anything. Yeah. So I was competing in those. I had a coach that was online and I was working with her and she said, you know, I know you're doing all this stuff, but like, why, do, what if we partnered? And I was like, wow, she was making a very good income online. Thought to myself, like, if I could make that, I would be like, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. What and were you making at the time, by the way, ish? When I was at 24 Hour Fitness, I was making more. Like, I think I was making maybe like something like $8,000 a month, I think per month, because that was what I thought. Of. Yeah. And then I think when I went to this new spot, I was making like 5,000 because I like cut my prices. People had to move. I started taking their, teaching their group classes. I wasn't like taking as much time to sell and have my own clients because yeah. I, but I knew I was like, I wanted to learn. So, and you were, you were in your twenties at that time? Yeah. I think I was 22. Okay. So 22 making six figures or almost six figures, right? Like um, yeah, just under a hundred. Not bad. Yeah. No, no, it was not at all. Not in the bad. beginning, I mean like, and, but you have to understand, like I, I was there for 14 months before I left. So it was like short and sweet and you know, that was it. Okay. But. And you, were you in relationships or were you, or were you just focused on work? No, I was not in relationships. Though. The context behind that question is, I know a lot of people who are watching this, they feel like they've got to choose between, you know, what are the, there's like three choices. Like, you know, you can have friends, you can have relationships, you can have a successful business, you know, whatever, choose one of those, mm -hmm. choose two of those and not all of them. Was that your mindset or were you even thinking that way? I think that I, you know, I had been in a pretty low spot prior to, maybe like the two years prior to moving there. So I had been drugs, alcohol. I was getting arrested all the time. Yeah, you're messing your life up. Yeah, and I felt like at that point, I was like, I just need to work on myself mm -hmm. because at this point, anyone that's gonna date me is not anyone I wanna date. And so when I moved out to California, I was like, I'm trying to better myself so that when I do want to date somebody, it's actually somebody I would like to date as well. Yeah. So that was kind of my focus at that point. Well, they say that you end up being with the person that, you know, is your equal in some ways or you compromise, but yeah. yeah. So if you're trying to become someone, you know, you're thinking of this aspirational partner. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I wanted someone who is ambitious, career oriented. They had their own life. So it wasn't like a dependency thing. Yeah. So I, she, this online woman that was training me, basically helping me with the bikini competitions, she proposed that. So on the weekends, I started helping build almost like a, an online portal, which back in the day was very novel mm -hmm. to have an online portal with training information, all these things in there. And that was what I did on the weekends. And during the weekdays, I was training my clients and teaching classes. Muscling, mm -hmm. just working. I mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't do anything but work. Yeah. And I didn't really have any friends because I just moved there. And most people drank or something I was trying not to. So it was like, you know, I didn't really want to be around it at that yeah. point. And, and maybe we'll just give a little bit of the back story. I mean, you basically turned your life around. I mean, you 
have said and shared pictures on I've seen them on Instagram where you know you were this kid who was not in shape yeah. and then you grew into this young woman who realized her potential and wanted to be something different and completely turned things around 180 degrees. Yeah, it's not I like think... you were always doing these you know no. competitions and you you know born with the perfect genetics. Oh, no. It was no. none of that. No, no, no. I was like it was like transformation. Yeah, I was like nerdy kid, chunky fat not the best like never bad at school but never the best like i was just like mediocre i guess and i think it was hitting that low when i let myself get to you know just incredibly overweight drinking all the time partying all the time doing drugs you know not surrounding myself with people that i wanted to be you know that were conducive to anything productive in my life and i'm really grateful for it because i don't you know i think when <laughs> i think motivation is created by lack and so it's like the more you lack something, the more you feel motivated, right? That's like, like if, if somebody has just eaten, they're not hungry, right? There's no motivation to eat because they're already full. right? And I think I was, I had so much lack in my life because of all the things I had done to myself that that's what created the fuel to turn everything around yeah, and go so far in the other direction. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go like a few steps and like, you know, just lose weight. It's like, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to compete in these competitions. I'm going to build an insane career. Like I just had so much motivation to go so much farther. So it almost felt like a slingshot. Yeah. Isn't it interesting though, that the momentum goes both ways. So like when you are starting to slack off or maybe not eat right or neglect exercise or start to indulge in something you shouldn't, it just gets easier and easier and easier to do that. And then all of a sudden you're at rock bottom, mm -hmm. but then the opposite's true. You start like, you quit all that stuff and you're like, well, you know, I'm doing all this working out. I now I need to eat right. That doesn't make yeah. sense. And then, well, I need to do this instead. I need, you know, it's just it, that momentum goes both ways mm -hmm. for better, or for worse. I think it's almost confidence, right? It's like you do one thing and then you believe you have the confidence to do the next thing. It's like, well, if I can work out, I can also eat a little bit better yeah. and I can also make these better. And I think the same goes in the opposite direction. Oh, I'm a piece of I didn't eat right yesterday. Might as well not go to the gym. That's just, right. yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I was at this weird inflection point where I was like, you know, I've known for a long time since I was like 15 that I want to start my own business. I didn't know what it looked like. I knew it was something in fitness. I'm kind of just like, I felt like I was like, my eyes were closed and I was feeling around. I was like, all right, is it, am I going to start a gym? Is that what I'm going to do? Like now I understand how to fill a gym, how to have clients, all these things. Like I could do that or I can partner with her and do this online business. And I was at that inflection point when I met this guy on the internet named Alex. And 2015-ish. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe 2016, one of those. So... Met him. It was a random Bumble date. So it was it was on Bumble. I'd been going on dates for 18 months. So you have to understand. All right, so help me. I, I don't understand Bumble because really? I, met, I met my wife early. Okay. And I didn't have to use Bumble <laughs> or any other. But yeah. so explain how Bumble works. I mean, I sort of know, but like, yeah. explain it for people. So you get on the app and it's basically like for a, for a woman. This is when I was on it, by the way. It's been like eight years. So I hope they've progressed. <laughs> you know, basically you come on and it says you've got It'll, a screen pops up with a picture of a guy, says like his name, his age and location. And it's, you know, swipe left or right, depending if you don't like him or like him. Yeah. So Bumble's the woman's choice, right? Yes. And the, the difference between Bumble and Tinder is that Tinder, guys can message a woman if even if the woman doesn't like them, right? Which means like on Tinder, I had like hundreds of people. It's disgusting, right? And it's all like, it's gross. Yeah. Bumble, unless I also like the guy, they can't message me. And then I have to actually initiate the message. Yeah, so it's like double opt-in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This feels safer for women. 100%. And that was what I was looking for. Yeah. So I felt like, okay, I don't feel like as scummy of guys are going to be on Bumble. You know what I mean? Right. 
So what did he look like? I mean, was he the full bearded king that he is now or was he like the no chest hair? Uh, what, what was he like? I, he was like no chest hair, young baby, young baby face. Yeah. I remember the picture was him standing in a pool, like shirtless with sunglasses on. Okay. But it said under his profile was something to the extent of like own four gyms, business, and like bourbon, something like that. Okay. And Still I remember- kind of a player move. Totally. Yeah. But I was like, okay, he's really cute. And then business, he owns four businesses and he says he likes business. I was like, I love it. Like it's, he put that first, which said something, right? Mm-hmm. Motivated. Yeah. Ambitious. Yeah. And he had lots of pictures of himself lifting weights. And that was kind of my profile too. So I was like, okay, he likes working out. He likes, we have common interests. Mm-hmm. So I swiped on him, messaged him, probably said something very awkward. I'm not very like good at the, I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. And he quickly was like, let's get off this app. Can I call you? And I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Because what I hated was when the guy takes so long. You're on the app and he's like asking you questions on the app. And you're like, are you going to freaking ask me out on a date? Yeah. Well, he's probably vetting, right? Like looking for red flags and vetting all the. I guess so. But I'm just like, it's just, it's just kind of like, it feels like a waste of time, right? For me, at least it was like, I have 30 minutes of my lunch every day where I'm like swiping and talking to them. And then besides that, it's it. So I was just like, let's go. And he called me. I was like, sure, here's my number calls me and he was like, I figured that we could just get our first date out of the way on the phone. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And mm-hmm. he literally asked me and I asked him like all the questions you would ask on a first date, like parents, do you want to have kids? What do you see for your future? What do you like to do? Like all that stuff. Are you guys about the same age? He's two years older than me. Okay. So about the same age. Yeah. And two so, years older for a guy is about your age. Yeah. Two um, to five years older. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he felt like it was enough of an age gap. So, you know, we had that conversation and then he's like, do you want to meet for Froyo tomorrow? So he was in Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I said, sure. And then tomorrow came and I remember wanting to not go. So I like texted him. I was like, I'm sick. I can't go. (laughs) And he called me and he was like, you're not sick. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he's like, you don't sound sick. I'm like, no, I really, I feel awful. And he was like, I don't care. It's Froyo. You'll be fine. And I was like, Wow. Okay. Yes. And I was so used to being the assertive one. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go on the date or I do. I was just like, it was almost refreshing to have somebody who was like- Called your bluff. Yeah. Called my bluff. I was like, hmm, okay. So you're type A. Yeah. And he's type A. Yes. And so you respected that I was like, I as a type that. A. Yeah. Yeah. So I go, we end up meeting for Froyo and I'll never forget, like I, I was there first and he was like, I'm going to be a few minutes late. And I was like, great. Good first impression, right? Because I'm very timely. I get there like 10 minutes early. Oh, okay. And he comes, he walks them from behind, sits down. And he was like, you want to go get some Froyo? That was like the first thing. And I was like, yeah. No smile, nothing. And I'm like, I remember we go and we're in line. I just kept thinking to myself, like, does this guy even like me? I'm like, is something wrong? I'm I'm like, I, I make sure my pictures are not overly inflated so that in person I look just as good. Like, right, right, right. what is this? And we go in there, we get the Froyo, we come back, we sit down. Turns out later, when I was 18, I got my whole back tattooed. Hmm. And when he walked up, he saw the tattoo. And he told me later, he's like, I saw that tattoo and I thought to myself, oh no. (laughs) Red flag. Red flag, yeah. Can you talk about what it is? It's wings. Okay. Giant angel wings on my back. I mean, kind of (laughs) metaphoric. That's kind of cool though. It was, yeah. I mean. What does it mean? She flies with her own wings. So it was like when I was 18, like... Honestly, I, nothing really. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. So I mean, I could kind of see like the independence or the- That's what it was supposed to- Yeah, you're taking flight, yeah. leaving the nest, you know? Yeah. Becoming an adult. But it was really probably not the best idea. So 
It's fine. It was in a period of low judgment. So, yeah. So, you know, we grabbed Froyo, we start talking. And I think what was so great was just, it was finally like I was having a conversation with somebody who I felt like I shared the same reality with them. You're intellectual equal. Correct. It was like, we're talking on the same playing field. I didn't feel like in many of the conversations, either I felt like the guy was like, can you shut the fuck up and just be cute? Or I felt like I was much more ambitious than the guy. Yeah. So it felt like those were what I was getting. And this was not that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very interested. We ended up walking for like four hours together. Um, And that was really our first date was just we talked and walked for like four hours. And it was so odd because like at the end of it, because we talked about business most of the time, like sales, marketing, gyms, because that was what we were both doing. Mm -hmm. By the end of it, he was like, I really like you and I'm really interested. And I also think you should work for me. You you were in a Alex Ramosi interview, <laughs> job interview. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I just remember, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's fine. I just, you know, I felt like even if this doesn't work out. You know? Yeah. Although it's funny now, getting to know him a little bit better, just the short time we spent together in the last couple of interviews, time, you know, efficiency is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So he was, he was like killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. He was, you know dating you as a prospect, but also job interviewing and, you know, all these things. He was he vetting. likes to make sure that people have high utility. Yeah. But just the efficiency of it all, it is it's so Alex. Okay. I'm yeah. with you so far. This is great. So, you know, I'm like, dude, I just met you. Like I have things going on. Like I have my own stuff going on. I don't really. Yeah. And I don't want like another job. So no. He's like, all right, all right, all right it's fine. I mean, it's pretty gutsy on the first date. Everything about the I first mean, date was pretty gutsy. So. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bold. Yeah. Just to throw it out there. He is bold. And so, you know, we went on more dates and it was like, you know, the best way I can describe it is just like, I didn't want to stop talking to him. I was like, even if we don't end up dating, I just want to like hang out with this guy. Like, Mm -hmm. I just really like him. Like, he's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of stuff in common. We have a lot of the same perspectives. We have a lot of same viewpoints. We both are really interested in the same things and learning the same things. And it was like very clear that both of us were ambitious and had our own lives, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I want to say about three weeks in, we'd been dating and he kind of just kept poking it. He was like, we should just work together. Like, I want to start this <laughs> business. And he kept saying, he was like, I want to start this business. But like, if it's just me, that's not a business and it doesn't work. But like, if you're here and you have the skill set that works, like, then it's a business and we know it actually works. And I don't want to do it alone. And I was like, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. And then it was about a week later, he went and it, the idea was essentially like, because he was so talented at opening up these gyms or skilled at opening up these gyms and filling them up so quickly. He was like, we could go do that. And like, you have an equally, you know, you're equally skilled at sales. I can sell, like we could both go out to locations, basically fill up people's gyms for them and they would pay us. And he was using Facebook, what you wanted to use, but no right. one else he would. was using Facebook and he showed me how to use it. And he showed me all that. And I was really interested. I was like, like the guru probably. I mean, I was just, what was mind blowing to me was like how hard I would work for 20 names and phone numbers. And then I would have to call them and work the lead and all that. And I was like, you can just get 20 in a day from $5. Like, (laughs) this is insane. Yeah. And I was just like, this is crazy. This makes my life so much easier. And so actually he did come and to the gym I worked at and he was like, I can set it up. And I was like, please. And so he came and he set it up and they turned it off the next day. (laughs) Oh, geez. So I got one of the founders to agree. And then the other one was like, no, 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 turn it off. Like, we don't want to do that. And I remember I was like, and that was kind of what sealed the deal in the sense of, I was like, man, I really want to learn this. And like, it can, it can really help this gym mm-hmm. and we can get so many more customers so much faster. Like, why would we not do this? And that kind of then like starts sowing seeds of doubt in 
my path there. Yeah, the tipping point for the others. Yeah. Right. So then I'm like, you know, talking to him and I'm, you know, I really think I can just do this online thing with this girl. And trust me, to this day, she's amazing. She was great. But he's like, he looked at me and he was like, why? He's like, I can just tell you're the person that does all the work and then other people take credit for it. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to hear that, right? Yeah, but it was true, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was doing a ton of work for free, not really doing like, there's nothing monetizing. Just out of like, you know, I wanted to, I didn't know much. I wasn't experienced. So it was like, that was, I was there to learn. Yeah. I want to just underscore mm -hmm. just something that I'm pulling out, which is, I mean, there's false modesty. Like, oh, you know, oh, no, 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 I'm not this or that. But like, when you really are good and you're like, you know, you're the best, I mean, you don't want to brag about it, but there's no shame in owning that, right? There's yeah. no shame in leaning into that and be like, hell yeah, I'm the best. And I tend to be insecure over inflated of my skills. So <laughs> I just, I do default to that. And I think that's something that he pointed out from like day one. He's like, you underestimate how good you are. Yes. And, yeah. and it's still like weird to say that out loud, honestly. Like, well, of course, because you have humility and you're a good person, you have integrity. But like the message I want people, if they're struggling with this, and sometimes it goes as far as this imposter syndrome, right? They really, they really are great at what they do, but like they feel like they don't belong or they have no business doing that because no one, you know, gave them a license to do it or gave them permission or yeah. granted them this. But like, if you're really good and you know it and you know by the, the fruit that it bears, then own it. And it, there's you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think a lot of people, like, at that point, I had no context to know if I was good. Does that make any sense? Like, what uh, I was doing, it was like, there was nobody, it was such a new concept in terms of, like, building anything online. Yeah. And also, like, in terms of sale, you know, actually, I'll be honest, it was a little bit of doubt because I was one of the best salespersons. Yeah. I was like, oh, it must be luck. No, no, no. You had signals and you had yeah. results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those speak for themselves. That's that's my point. Yeah, I get like, and I, I'm a big signal person because, and I speak from, you know, regret a little bit because sometimes I've missed signals in my life that I haven't listened to my intuition, my gut. And I think all of us, if we really listen to that intuition, we know what we should be doing or what we should not be doing. And as we listen and, and you know, are prepared to recognize those single signals when they come, it can help us make good choices. Yeah. Whether that's business investing, starting or stopping a business, Starting or stopping a relationship, you know, mm -hmm. the signals are really important. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I don't think I knew how to read any of that at that point in time. I was just trying. And I was, honestly, I think stress sometimes blinds you because I'd moved out there. I didn't know anybody. I was just trying to make enough money to live out there and I didn't want to fail. And so I was just so focused on the task at hand. I didn't really think about any of that. Like mm -hmm. in pure execution mode, not much thought to it. But, you know, I, I expressed to Alex that I was like, I think it makes more sense to do this with her. And he kind of said that to me. And I was like, but I feel like she, like she wants what I want. He was like, well, what's that? And I was like, I just want to help people. Like I truly, genuinely have always just wanted to make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. And he Back was like- your veterinarian roots. You just want to, care. you're a caregiver. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I remember he said this. He was like, what if you could do that and make more money? <laughs> yeah. Light bulb moment. Light bulb moment. And it really was for me. I was like, wow, I am really, that is all it is. Like, I'm so focused on helping people that I actually am preventing myself from making more money. And then, you know, of course, the solution that he's proposing is that, you know, come do this with me. Yeah. So there's some bias, but yeah. also another lesson that I'm extracting from you right now, which is a, another good one, is 
this idea of the false dichotomy or false choice. And and you fell into that trap like I have too, which is it's either this or it's that. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You can help people and make money. Ta-da. Like there's right. not, it's it's this false choice. And oftentimes you can have both or several. It's not one or the other. Okay. And I had a lot of assumptions that I think were rooted in, you know, like my upbringing where I like just what was social, like what were you socialized to believe? And I think that I was still in that mode. Like I was coming out of it, but not fully. Yeah. And there's your Tony Robbins, right? These self-limiting beliefs yeah. and the mm-hmm. scarcity mindset stuff that we've all been talking about recently. Yeah. And I yeah. think I assumed my assumption that was so false was that it, it was going to take a very long time to get as good as I want to get. And I think that that was where I underestimated if it was my full focus and I was just obsessed with the thing at hand that I could get really good really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that was what I realized because, you know, then essentially what I did was I decided to do it with him. You know, he was like, I want to start this company called Gym Launch. Like, I want you to do it with me. And so that was probably the choice that changed everything because I left all my clients. I cut my roster. I I think I converted some to like online clients because I was like, you know, I got to have something coming in because what if this doesn't work? Okay. And then left my apartment, got rid of my lease and everything and flew out to Baltimore, Maryland to launch a gym with Alex. Mm-hmm. And the deal was that I was going to sit with him at the first one and watch what he did and like learn everything. And then the second one I would do on my own and then we would split ways and go and do it on our own. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't think I could have anticipated what would have happened from that point on. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I remember making the decision. I was like, no matter what, I will learn so much, whether it doesn't work or works, like it's worth the experience alone. Yeah. Did you have money in the bank? Like, did you have a safety net cushion? Like like a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. You're, you're living I'm, hand to mouth. Again, it's a pretty gutsy move. You know, you're in your early twenties. Yeah. But the thing is, is I'm like, What's the worst case? Like I end up back at my dad's house. Okay. So you feel like that's, you had, you know. Like that would be awful in my mind, but I'm like, I will not go hungry. I have friends, I have family, I have some money and I have the ability to make money. So I was like, I can just go get a job at a gym again. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Can I ask you this too? Compared to back then, you're significantly further ahead now. Mm -hmm. Is it harder to start something new now? because in theory you have farther to fall or is it easier because you have all these resources, you know, a significant amount of money in the bank, easier or harder today than it was back then? It's easier because I don't care nearly as much as I cared back then. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? I was so concerned with how humiliating it would be to fail. This is, this makes no sense, right? But I was like my family, high school friends, college. If I fail, they're all going to see. Yeah. Because you announced, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. And I think that I'm just now to a point where I don't care so much if I fail because I also trust myself enough to get back up. And I also know that I am graceful in my failures. Mm -hmm. And so I think I have that trust in myself versus before I didn't have that. Do you think, how much, what percentage of that anxiety was manufactured by you and how much of it was reality? Like if you had failed and you'd come back tail between your legs, whatever, and you had to be like, I need to live with you, dad. What what percentage did you make up in your head to be scary versus the actual reality of it? I mean, 
think that the reason I was able to make the jump is I identified that all of it was made up in my head. Yeah. That's my point is like, yeah, I, I, I still do that today. It happens a lot. Yeah. I catch myself. Exactly. And I think it took me longer to kind of work through that back then. And now I think I'm just much faster, which is like, well, that's not a good reason just because you think you might feel a certain way. You're scared of a feeling, you know, yeah. or judgment. They call it fortune telling, right? You know, mm-hmm. no one knows the future. Yeah. But you try to fortune tell or forecast the future. I mean, maybe something bad's going to happen, but most likely it will not, right? And that's where right. a lot of this, you know, angst or fear, you know, kind of stifles us. I think it's also just more bad things have happened and I've dealt with them. And I, I don't even tell myself like it might not happen. I'm like, it could definitely happen. Okay. You can also deal with it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's about having calluses, right? That's like, you know, going through hell and back several times and be like, okay, I've been burnt, but now I got I'm I'm torch proof now. I'm good. And I think it's also like looking at it in terms of if the worst thing happens, it's not gonna make me worse. If right. anything, I've used every other instance in my life to make me better. So why would this be any different? Yeah. I'm like, wow, think of all the skills I'll I'll gain if I have to go through that. Yeah. So I think I look at it more like that as I, I kind of trick myself and like that would be such an opportunity to become a better person if it does happen. Not that I wanted to, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's you know? a tremend- tremendous mind shift power. I mean, that's, that's powerful if you're able to, when you're able to do that. Yeah. I don't mean, I think it takes training over time because it's like the first voice that comes in is like, that'd be awful and terrible. We, we want to avoid that at all costs. Right. And I think I've just gotten like quicker at combating it with, no, that would be a great opportunity for you. Yeah. What a good challenge. That would really help you become who you're trying to become. Yeah. And so it just gets the two voices, like the the space between the two gets shorter and shorter over time. Mm-hmm. But it used to be like, might be like first one and then it's like days and then it's like a day and then it's like hours and it's like an hour and it's like 30, 40 and it's like one minute and then now it's like 10 seconds. Yeah. And so again, you know, for extracting lessons, if you're in a hurry to get through or get over what you're going through, sometimes it just, it's a process of, you know, that you need that experience. You need to try trial and error. You need to try and fail or get up again. You need to learn. And it just takes time. You, you have to earn that. You can't just, you know, wish that whatever you're going through is over. You have to, you know, go through experience and then, then you have learned from it, but you can only do that by being on the other side of it. Yeah. I think any kind of change is a, it's a process, not an event, right? Yeah. So it takes time. I just say that because we're talking with people of all kinds of different experience, you know, and ages too. And it seems like the younger people I talk to, they they want things more immediate. Of course, I did too when I was young, but it's like, all right, so you're 18, you want to be the VP. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, let's let's go through this process first. I mean, if you've got the chops right now, by all means, you know, step into that spot. It's not about age. It's about, you know, whether you've got the skills. But it's like, sometimes you just have to pay the dues. You have to learn the lessons yeah, in order to get to the mindset that where you are now. I would agree. Okay, so you're in Baltimore. What happened? Well, the first day that I was supposed to watch Alex and like that was like my first training day. It was gonna be like, all right, let's train for two weeks and then you can try something. We had like all these sales appointments booked and he was gonna teach me like, here's how I pitch people and like what we do for these gyms or whatever. Cause it's a different offer. And he got a phone call from a friend. He's like, I've really got to take this. And I was like, the guy's coming in 10 minutes. And he was like, I think you've got this. Oh. And I remember he just left. Did he set you up? <laughs> was it deliberate? No, he says it wasn't. Oh, okay. He's like, I just knew you would figure it out. 
Yeah, he's like the master delegator. <laughs> That's how I like to tell him. Okay. So I remember there were eight people coming in back to back. The first one that come, came in, you have to understand, we're selling in this gym that has no equipment, nothing, boarded up windows. Yeah. We're pre-selling for yeah. a gym that's going to open. You got to be freaking out. I'm freaking out. First guy that walks in, cop. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jail. Yeah. I know this isn't illegal, but then I'm like thinking, like maybe this guy's scamming me this whole time. This guy from Bumble, like maybe I'm getting screwed. Like he left, like now there's a cop here. Like who knows? The cop didn't buy, but everybody else did. And he came back <laughs> hours later. I'm like, I still don't know what this phone call was. And I think he set you up. Yeah, probably. Or rather, not set up, but just like he had so much confidence. Okay, so fun fact about me. So I have this skill too where I am not that great at anything, but I can see the talent and skill in other people. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm sort of projecting that on Alex too, like so if that's his mindset, he already knew that you could do it and maybe you were lacking the confidence and he yeah. just wanted to give you that little nudge yeah, and like force you to do it. Yeah, he's great at that. I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. And so then from that day on, we we just split everything. It was like, okay, people are coming in. We're going to split the appointments, split the work, whatever. And that was the first gym we launched together. It was in Baltimore, Maryland. And then we split up and it was like, I went to a different gym. He went to a gym and we started launching gyms. And it worked well when it was us. You know, we made a lot of money off the gyms. They got a ton of clients, but we were exhausted. <laughs> and it was a ton of upfront investment to pay for their marketing, the hotels, the flights, the, everything yeah. that we had to do, right? We're financing their business. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so at that point, we were like, we need to get people to do this and we need to centrally operate it. And so we're like, where do we find employees? You know, and at this point, you know, we're like traveling around the country. We don't really have like a home or anything. And I was like, oh, my, I keep in touch with all my friends from college. They're all like the top salespeople at MLMs. I should call them. So I call them and I'm like, listen, this is how much money I'm making. This is how much money you could make. You know, I'm selling them on the opportunity. Yeah. I get five of my friends from college to quit their jobs and agree to, it was going to be January 1st, flying out to launch five gyms, each of them on a different location. Yeah. But it was kind of a sure thing in your mind, right? In my mind, yeah. I was like, this is great. Like, we've got this yeah, like, on, thing. On repeat, yeah. Yeah. Going. And we started building out, you know, training materials for them, schedules, you know, management systems, all that kind of stuff. And it was about a week before the launch that we went to go see my parents and for Christmas. And Alex shows up. We, we, I remember I had a dentist appointment. And Wait, was I, this the first time he met them? Uh-huh. Okay. So new guy. New guy. Bring him. My parents have always been like, Layla does whatever Layla wants. Like she's always making weird decisions, right? Okay. And so I'm like, this guy's coming back to me. He was the one I've been quit everything, fly my job, whatever. And they're like, okay. And my dad's very accepting. So he's like, yeah, that's what you want, sweetie. Yeah, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. Yeah. And so we come there. And I remember I was like, listen, you have to go hang out with my parents while I go to the dentist. We'll meet you. We're going to go to a movie. It's like Christmas Eve. And he shows up to the movie and my dad comes up to me and he's like, Layla, he's like, this guy is so stressed. And I was like, why is he so stressed? And he was like, I don't know. He's like, you should ask him what's wrong with him. And I like walked up to Alex and I was like, you look awful. Why are you sweating? We're like <laughs> sitting here. And he was like, the bank processor shut us down. And I was like, oh. Huh. And I was like, well, that's not good. Yeah. What, <laughs> what did that mean to the business? It meant that we could not take money. And... My friends had all just quit their jobs and four days later are supposed to be flying out and we're supposed to be fronting hotel flights and marketing expenses. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. 
So then we have to sit through this two hour movie. And I remember taking Alex's pulse and it was like, it was like 120. And I was like, oh my God. He's just sitting there, resting heartbeat at 120. Just okay. so stressed. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, when you're going through those things, it's like you become whatever you need to to help the other person at times. So mm -hmm. it's like I, I could remain optimistic and neutral during those times. Yes. Even though I was obviously not, I mean, I just ask all, in my mind, that's absolute horror. It's like I just got people to quit their jobs and I might not be able to do it. Yeah. But you became the yin and the yang. You became that other side. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, so, you know, we're sitting, we go back to my parents' house, we're in this room and we're like, what should we do? And we're like, well, there's the credit card from all the gyms that you had and it's got like a $100,000 limit. I remember Alex like took out the car and he was like, we've got to use it. And I was like, yeah, there's really no choice. And- Okay, wait, pause. A uh -huh. $100,000 credit limit on a credit card? Yeah, per month. Because he'd had so like many gyms. Was this like Gold or was this yes. like- Okay. It was actually an Amex Gold. It was because he had- at that point, when he had left, he had five gyms that like he was putting all the expenses on his car. So he, over years, had upped the limit. Okay, I got you now. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a decent credit limit. Yeah. One hundred percent. Okay. And I remember he's like, "We we can use the card. We can put it on here. He's like, we just have to make sure we make it back." And I was like, and "You have thirty days to do it. We've got thirty days to make it back." <laughs> yeah. And no pressure. Yeah. And I remember in that moment, he was like, "Listen, I'm a sinking ship." He's like, "You know, we've been trying to make this work for like a year." He's, at that point, he had gotten he had gotten into head head on DUI. He had had one of his partners who he partnered with without telling me when I had quit my job for, on one location had then stolen all our money, and so we'd gone through all these different things that were happening, and it was just like kind of a mess. You're getting a glimpse that maybe his judgment is slightly distorted uh, he, in terms of like picking business partners. Yeah, I think the the tough part for him is that he's very optimistic, yeah, and that's his strength, and it's also. When you don't have somebody there that you can trust to balance you, it can, it's, that's hard, you know? And just yeah. like me, without somebody who's very optimistic, that can be hard to pursue no, new opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, for those who didn't see Alex's interview with me before, he talks about his relationship with his dad and the sort of family pressures and and he was, you know, fighting his demons too. Mm -hmm. like, like, maybe like you He had a lot early. of shit on, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He did. And he used to tell me that all the time. He's like, I got a lot of shit going on. I'm like, yeah, but- he, you know, he always kept saying, he's like, I'm just like a sinking ship. I've got nothing going right now. Like, this is a, such a mess. And I always thought to myself, like, I can take care of myself. So like, if this doesn't work, that's fine. I'm not going to be crushed. And I think it's worth the experience and worth trying. Did that brutal honesty, though, make you trust him more? Because he wasn't fronting at all. He's just like, listen, <laughs> this is all, you know, it's all very bad. I mean, he wasn't like faking it. Yeah. He's I mean, there was no faking it at that point, right? Yeah. Like. I'm buying groceries, like we have nothing. Like, I mean, yes, I trusted him more, but I think the trust was more so built through both of us going through what we had there that far together and not neither person like yielding to the pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, you didn't bail. Yeah, neither of us bailed. Yeah. And I said, you know, he's like, you know, do you want to, if you want out, this is the time. And I was like, yeah. you know, and I think in a few such words, I was like, no, <laughs> like I'm in it, like let's do it. Like, I think we can do it. Like, I really do. And I think a lot of it came from, at that point, I may not have had confidence in myself at that point in time, but I had confidence in him for some reason. And it's this weird thing where like, he tells me, he's like, I had so much, he's like, I had confidence in you and I had confidence in him. And it was like, we were like borrowing it from each other. Yeah. It was projecting it. Well, you're bolstering each other up. I, well, when he told me the story, I was blown away what you said. Do you remember what you said when yeah. he said, can you... Can you share yeah. that? Because I yeah. think it, 
I think it's really, really important. You know, one is greater than zero. Two is greater than one. When you have two people who are united, you know, in purpose, in effort, I mean, that that's everything. That's That's how you get to, you know, where you're trying to go. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he said, I'm a sinking ship. Here's your out. Like, if I were you, I would leave. Like, there's, you've got nothing good here. Like, I have no money. This isn't going to work. And, you know, I obviously don't have my together. And I was like, if it comes to it, I would sleep with you under a bridge. And I think, I don't think that he had the attention at that point in his life to understand how much, how loyal I was already and how much I did believe in him. And so I think it was just like, I was like, you idiot, I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, that was what I was thinking to myself. I'm like, yeah. come on. I was like, I've, like, I love this guy. I believe in him. I believe in us. And I, I told him in that moment, I said, I just see, it's like so weird to think about. It. I was like, I just see the future. Like, I see what we could be. And I was like, we can be so powerful together. And he was like, how do you even, and I was like, I just know. I remember saying this, I was like, we're so stressed right now. We've got so much going on. And like, you don't, we can't, we only see it. But when we see the glimpses of each other that are like who we, who we could be one day when we don't have all of this stuff going on. I was like, it's so good that it's worth holding out. 